0: just go to porkbun.com forward slash fm twenty-four. That's porkbun P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocket twenty-four. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. As artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore. AI safety and security it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit hackerone.com slash AI dash safety dash security. Again, hackerone.com slash AI dash safety dash security. Rocketship.fm is brought to you today by Chargebee. Chargebee is the easiest way to set up your subscription billing. It's built on top of Stripe and integrates directly into your product.
1: Go to chargebee.com forward slash Rocketship to get started for free. Today, I'm going to be talking with Ed Shelley from ChartMogul, and we're going to take a deep dive into pricing. They've done a lot of research on this. You can check out Ed's post on ChartMogul's blog where they really highlight a lot of things that they see happening in SaaS right now and what's working and not working for people. So without too much further ado, let's jump into it and chat with Ed.
0: Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Podcast where we explore startups from funding to growth, from culture to sales and everything in between. I'm
2: Michael Saka. I'm Mike Belsito.
1: And I'm Joel Goldman. Ed, thanks for joining us today.
2: Thanks. It's uh, it's great to, to come on and I'm I'm always eager to talk about pricing and, and other SaaS topics. So, yeah, thanks.
1: Well, yeah, the pricing is the topic of the day. And I wanted to chat with you because um, you guys have done quite a bit of research into the topic and published some of your findings. Um, what made you so interested in it in the first place?
2: Yeah, I think it's a topic that, uh, as you've probably found in your research, it always crops up in, in any subscription business. Um at Charmuggle, we, we have a lot of different subscription uh, businesses as customers. So uh, some of them are SaaS, uh, software-based subscriptions, but we also have like uh, gyms, subscription food boxes, um, video on-demand platforms. And probably one of the, the common things across all of these customers is that they have to, at some point, or usually very early on, decide how much they're going to charge for their product. And... Um, that's never an easy decision when you don't have any paying customers and when you don't have a good idea of, of kind of, um, the metrics that are going to be involved in the subscription. So, uh, as part of our kind of strategy, uh, at ChartMuggle, I, I wanted to kind of, See if there's something that we can do uh, in kind of researching and looking what other subscription businesses out there are doing with their pricing and uh, pulling together some commonalities, uh, trying to look at uh, trends in, in what others are doing out there and kind of package it up in a way that's easy for them to consume. So that's what I did in this, in this uh, research piece that we published a while back.
1: And so was there kind of one commonality across the board that you saw um, not only people doing, but maybe there was an indication that it was kind of a, a solid choice of of how to at least initially price your product?
2: Mm. It's, I mean, I think one of the things that makes pricing hard is that there's the so many different kind of dimensions and aspects of it. Um, questions to answer, like, how many tiers of pricing do you offer? And do you offer a freemium uh, model? So do you have a free plan? Do you bill monthly or do you just offer annually? So these are all questions that people uh, need to answer for themselves. Uh, in terms of kind of commonalities between those, that I think there are, for SaaS at least, there are some fairly common uh, traits that you see. Like um, I think we pulled out that the average number of, of tiers, uh, like pricing tiers is is three, um, then you you get onto like the freemium or not freemium discussion. Um, I so, think mm, so. When would it make sorry.
1: so? There's always discussion like should you shouldn't you do a free trial? Yeah. Are there certain industries or price points where you see that making more sense? Uh,
2: so with a trial, I think you've you've got to step back and ask the question what you're trying to achieve in that trial um, and it come I think whether you offer a trial or not comes down to the question of can I kind of deliver or help the customer see the value of my product during that trial period that's that's basically the goal of your trial they need to finish the trial having seen um, the value that it, the product is going to add to their business if you can do that in a say two week or even one month, period, if you can get them up and running, um, if your product is kind of such that it's it's fairly easy for them to do that with, with some onboarding work, then from what I've seen, it absolutely makes sense. Um, it's almost an expectation nowadays that people can try a, a web-based product before they buy it. And I think if you're not offering that, then you need to have a very good reason not to do that. Um, on the flip side to not offer a trial I think uh, requires some pretty like special conditions with the product maybe it's just so technical and, and requires such a high level of uh, kind of expertise or you need to like uh, send them uh, uh, personnel to help them integrate the product that it's, that it's just uh, it's just not feasible but I, I think if you're in that position you, you should probably be questioning the way that your product kind of onboards uh, customers in the first place
1: so what are some of the ways that pricing models can kind of build in opportunities for future growth um, or expansion revenue with a current customer base
2: mm. yes expansion expansion is a huge part especially in sas of uh, creating a business that you can actually grow sustainably um and this is something that really needs to be designed into the pricing model so uh, a typical example would be you you pay 99 dollars for a for a plan um but the way that you uh define those plans is based on some variable that uh is going to grow over time so maybe it's based on the number of transactions that you process through a payment system, right? So once I hit the limit of the plan that I'm on, I expand onto the, onto the next plan and I'm automatically uh, paying a higher uh, subscription price each month. And what we see and, and what actually what a lot of data shows is that expansion plays a huge part kind of further down, uh, further along in the life of a subscription business when you start to get customers churning, um, i.e. unsubscribing from your from your business and actually this expansion revenue really helps to kind of counteract that um, that churned revenue. So just to summarize expansion, I guess is something that you need to think about at the beginning because uh, whilst it, it might not have a, an impact immediately, um, it's you really need it further down the line to to offset that churn that you might experience.
1: So what are some of the mechanics that you can build in for expansion? Like, you know, off the top of my head, um, you can do it maybe per number of users. So as your team grows and more people are using it, um, you get bumped up to higher tiers. What are some of the other ways that you can build that in?
2: Yeah, again, it's it's fairly specific to your product. Um, so if it's a support desk solution, for example, You're probably going to bill on the number of seats, as as it's called, or or the number of number of agents that you have using the product. Um, One thing that we do at Chartmuggle is we actually bill based on the number of active customers people have. So that means we're an analytics product, and uh, if you come to us with 1,000 customers, you'll you'll pay a certain amount. But as your business grows, um, and this is actually really nice. as the business grows, so does the amount that you you pay us for your ChartMogul subscription. And that, actually, that method actually builds quite a nice story in because we can say that y- you're always kind of paying in proportion to the value that you uh, receive from your customers. Um, there are other products, like more kind of inf- infrastructure based uh, services. Maybe you're sending messages through an API or you're processing transactions that they usually bill based on the number of requests or the number of transactions. So more so, like
1: usage-based pricing?
2: Exactly, usage-based. It's There's a bit of complexity there because um, a lot of people would kind of put that into brackets. So they would say that if you send us between five and 10,000 transactions per month, you pay this amount. Uh, so you're still kind of splitting it into tiers. So it's not like purely um, usage-based. Um, but that's common amongst the kind of API-based services that you find. Um, and then there are, there are other ways of doing it, too. Uh, you can charge based on the number of contacts that the person uploads, uh, the amount of storage that they use. It, it really depends on the part of your product that kind of reflects the value that they're receiving from the product. We'll be back with
0: more right after. A quick word. From our sponsor, Subscription Business
1: Today. Yeah, definitely. And I think, from um, at least from you know, the, the company's point of view, having some of that predictability built in is really key. Like, if you were only charging someone, like, literally based on what they were using, and some people do just because that's the mechanics of the business, but that mm. becomes really difficult, I think, to predict your month over month revenue.
2: It is, and, and from a kind of metrics perspective, things get more complex because you can't actually, you can't really guarantee any of that revenue each month. Um, your, your customer hasn't really committed to paying you, you know, uh, $999 per month. Instead, they're, they're committing to paying you per transaction. So that means that when you come to calculate metrics, uh, such as monthly recurring revenue, customer churn rate, customer lifetime value, you, you've suddenly got a situation where you it's very difficult to to reach those numbers because you don't know how much you're going to be paid each month by your customers. Um, you, you also see some products now kind of have a hybrid model where you pay for a monthly subscription and then you, on top of that, pay for uh, kind of a metered billing component, which uh, again, it's it's pretty tricky still to, yeah. to measure that because you've got the, the two different models kind of playing together.
1: Well, and then it seems like what you'd have is like half of your revenue is predictable, which helps, but the other half still isn't.
2: Um, yeah yes, exactly.
1: As you grow is going to be kind of I think a frustrating thing to overcome um, as you get into yep. like cash flow issues or valuations or anything like that,
2: yeah. and it's and it's just as difficult to predict that growth as well. So in the beginning, you you, you don't know you know how many transactions people are going to be processing in, in your system and how much they might grow. Along the way, so um, well,
1: that's a good point. Because think about that too, from the customer side. Um, If you're going to be paying based on, you know, uh, file size, file sizes that you might be uploading, or number of requests that you like, a lot of people might not know that, and so then it -hmm. makes it a much more difficult choice to sign up when you don't know what your monthly usage is going to be, and but you do know that it will fluctuate every month.
2: Yeah. Uh, I think, I think you're right. It's a much harder sell. And, and I think I've probably been in the situation a few times where I've been looking at a solution and, uh, you know, you kind of go to your boss and say, okay, we should, we should use this. It's, it's kind of fits our needs. And, uh, the question is, okay, well, how much does it cost? <laughs> and then of course, if you can't really produce a, a figure, then it's, it's much harder to really justify the, the value of it. Um, when you've got this big question mark hanging over the the cost of it. Yeah, totally agree.
1: So that kind of leads me to think about some of the psychology and pricing. And I know that could be like an entire another series. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. what are some of the, the bigger things that jumped out that like, as basic as they may be, like saying $4.99 instead of $5? Like, what are some of those things that Still, even though we all know about it, just somehow still work.
2: yeah, it's funny. A, a lot of these things are things that kind of it, it's part of the design of the pricing page in a lot of cases. and uh, you start to see trends cropping up and, and I think a lot of these kind of features come from people you know heavily uh, kind of split testing their pricing pages and they add maybe a visual element to the page, and the, the data says that this this widget that they've added uh, actually uh, kind of achieves better results. And then before you know it, everybody else is copying them. So yeah, the, there's a few of these. Um, one that we found was, which is really common in, in SaaS, is putting kind of a, a most popular tag on, on a specific um, pricing tier. Which again, you, you would kind of question that and whether it would really have an effect, but um, apparently the data says that if you if you have kind of a badge on on your, it's usually on the middle tier. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Although would not that popular, only work if uh, it wasn't based on something related to your business size? If it was more like just picking a feature set?
2: Uh, yeah, it's it's got to be in it when when they're in a position of choosing between. Two things. So yes, it's almost always uh, you're you're picking a tier based on like the features um, that they get, and yeah, of course, if you're if you have a kind of usage based model, that there's not really a choice for that, um, because you're going to use how much you use, and, and you can't. There's not really much choice when it comes down to to pricing. Um, so yeah, f- for anything where you're kind of evaluating features and kind of asking yourself, okay, should I go for the basic plan or should I go for the professional? You can almost guarantee that that professional plan has a little tag on it that says, you know, most popular or, I don't know, some some other wording. Just indicates
1: that you're getting the best value.
2: Exactly, yeah. Um, there are other kind of games that, that people play with the pricing page, right down to like color of, of buttons or just the alignment of the plans. There are also, there's also another thing there, which is kind of how the, the spread of the cost looks across tiers. So uh, it's quite common to kind of add a really, really expensive plan just to make the other plans look cheaper.
1: So just price anchoring.
2: Exactly, price anchoring. And, and that's obviously something that doesn't, it didn't originate with, um, with SAS, I think that's, probably coming from the retail world or something.
1: Yeah, I think that's what's so interesting too about a lot of this is that there's some mechanics that are purely based on on the SaaS model um, because that's the nature of the business. But a lot of this stuff, <clears throat> specifically, I think on the psychology side, goes back to like really old school, like business 101 type yeah. concepts.
2: Yeah, and I think I think the same principles apply. You're, you're looking at, um these these pricing tiers are basically kind of products that you're evaluating and you know it's, it's the same question if, if you're looking at a shelf in a retail store you know do i want to buy the super expensive um mp3 player or or whatever or do i want to buy the cheap one and, and these are the features um and you know placement on the shelves or or the wording that they use or the color of the labels these are all things that i'm sure have also been tested uh A hell
1: of a lot. Yeah, actually, in some of my research for this series, um, one of the things I came across was kind of digging into perceived value and how if you have like a store brand, you know, CVS or Walgreens brand of ibuprofen next to Mm. the Advil, and the ingredients are the exact same, Mm -hmm. a lot of people will still pick the brand name one just because they perceive that it's a better product.
2: Yeah, when in fact it's quite often produced in the same factory with the same ingredients, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 100% the branding. I, I think there is a difference here with um, with kind of web-based subscription products is that you do actually have to deliver the value that you say on the um, on the pricing page, and because it's a subscription model, you you need to be focused around delivering ongoing value. There is not just this one-time purchase where you can kind of trick the user into paying more than they perhaps wanted to. Um, it doesn't matter if, if they pay a certain amount up front. You, you still, unless you keep them in the long term, you basically failed. And um, if they don't like what they're subscribing to, they'll just cancel. So I think that's a nice thing with SaaS. It, it does... Um, it does kind of push the emphasis onto delivering ongoing value absolutely um, which kind of mitigates a lot of those tricks that that you see in yeah. other places
1: that 's a great point, and I think that that I think that's great for everybody all around um, it's obviously great for customers and for us working on the products like it's a driver to continually make things better,
2: yeah exactly and um, yeah really the I mean, as we said, the the pricing part is tough, but it's and it matters. it's it's definitely important to get it right. But uh, I don't think it's as important as kind of satisfying your your customers and giving them the value that they that they expect from your product. Um, and it's it's not the end of the world to to have to adjust your pricing. It's it can be tricky, uh, especially if you're if you're trying to raise the price and you realize that you you came in too cheap at the beginning. But, um, you know, you can change these things. And there are ways to kind of grandfather uh, old customers on old pricing deals and things. Um, so I, I don't think it's right to approach it as something that's like a one time decision. Definitely.
1: Yeah. And that that really helps to to step back and put it in perspective, because I know from experience, this stuff can be kind of paralyzing sometimes when you start to really dig into all the, the different pieces that go into it and what if this and what if that, and then you even start thinking about button color and some of the other things that you were talking about, you get into like mm-hmm. this kind of paralysis over, over what to do and yeah, you don't want to be changing it constantly and, and all that, but it doesn't have to necessarily be perfect um, the first time around or the second time
2: around. I'm pretty sure there's no subscription business out there that would tell you they got their pricing perfect the first time around. You see everybody's adjusting it. Um, the the biggest advice that I see, and this is coming mainly from investors, is to is to just charge more in the first place. I, I, I've seen it referenced as the biggest mistake that kind of SaaS and subscription companies make is they just don't charge enough in the first place. Um, I've seen, I think it was Jason Lemkin recommended simply kind of doubling the price that you kind of have in your mind um, for, for a plan and, and just kind of being bold with it. And I guess with the view that, you know, if, if it is too much, um, y- you can decrease the price. It's it's not a big deal. Yeah. But if you really start low, you, you've you got a, a much bigger job to to try and increase that over time.
1: Well, and I think like that kind of puts it, a little bit back on your customers to show you what it's worth, right? Like if you go too high and you're not delivering the value, mm-hmm. people are going to leave or they're going to tell you about it.
2: Um, yeah. but otherwise exactly. you're kind
1: of just guessing. Yeah. Um, and so you eventually I think that's... you will find that alignment between the value you're delivering and what people are willing to pay for that. Um, but it is, I think maybe a little bit of a collaboration with, with your customers.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. And, and that's, that's, you know, another part of building a subscription business, you you need to put in the work to understand uh, how your customers are finding the solution. It's, it's a, like I said before, it's an ongoing relationship. Uh, and there are mechanisms you can use to kind of help to measure that things like NPS, um, which, which are great indicators, uh, at kind of uh, whether you actually, whether you have satisfied customers or not. What's funny, and one thing that, that we've seen um, is that people do actually tell you when they think your product is too cheap. Um, this is, it's not something you would think mm-hmm. <laughs> happens, but um, I've seen incin- it, excuse me, incidences of customers actually just telling you that they would quite happily pay more for your solution given the features that it has.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a good problem to have.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not not the worst for sure. Yeah.
1: Well, cool. Ed, thanks so much. This was this was really interesting and I appreciate you coming on and sharing with us. Um, for anyone who wants to keep up with more of your writing um, or your show and Chart Mogul, where can they go?
2: Sure. Yeah. So we're publishing uh, every week at blog.chartmogul.com. Uh, we have a podcast. We, we're doing a bunch of research there and, and producing uh, resources for anybody with a subscription business. So um, yeah, go and check it out. We have a newsletter as well, so we'll keep you up to date with with everything that we're publishing there.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much.
2: Thanks. It's been really fun. Cheers.
0: Thanks to our sponsor for today's show, Charge V go to chargebee.com forward slash rocket ship. You can get started setting up your subscription billing for free. Use the same service that companies like Soylent have used to scale their business. If you'd like to keep up with us, follow us on Twitter at RocketshipFM. You can follow Mike Belsito at Belsito, Joel at Joel Goldman, and myself at Michael Saka. If you haven't yet, please click subscribe. You don't want to miss the rest of this SaaS series. We have another fantastic episode coming up here on Thursday on the slow SaaS ramp of death and how to survive it. You can always go back, listen to episode one. We covered the history of SaaS, we've covered pricing, we've covered growth, we've covered how to build a sustainable company around your SaaS business. So stay tuned, subscribe, and we will be back in just a couple days.